0: You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education, brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan.
1: Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and the perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you're with us today. With me in conversation today is Jeff Patterson, CEO of Gaggle. Uh, Jeff, you and I go back uh, a number of years through industry events where we get to see each other in person and have great conversations about the state of ed tech uh, and where it's going. Uh, unfortunately, we're kind of in our separate corners here, but through the use of technology, maybe we can um, get some good ideas brewing. How are you today?
0: I'm doing fine, Kevin. It's, uh, it's all good, as good as it can be.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, and I wish we could talk about anything other <laughs> than this. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, uh, this is what we got to deal with. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get, get some good insights from you. I guess the first question that uh, seems to pop up is, Is when? what was the day? What was the time when, for you, this became something different? Well, what, what was the date? I mean, were you going to be going to, to Cozen? Were you intending to go to Cozen this year? I, I was intending to Cozen, I guess.
0: Even when it canceled Cozen, I didn't... It's not that like it became a thing to me, really. That became a reaction, right? And, yeah. and I, I couldn't judge whether that was an overreaction or not on the part of Cozen.
1: Mm-hmm. But so when... Um... That's where it was for me, <laughs> well we couldn't go to Coza it was the first cousinzon I hadn't been to in, in since two thousand and three. We uh, had to cancel other events and you just started to watch industry events one like another kind of fall in into dominoes uh, but you know you just recently uh, came out and talked about you began to see a spike in activity with not only your present customers using it but new customers coming in right was was there was like the second week of march was it was there a particular time or date where you started to say this is going to be a fundamental change
0: well I, when i when i recognized that we that this is a big deal was when the illinois governor sort of issued their lockdown orders and our our offices are in illinois and that's when we made the decision to, to close our office. Right. I, I didn't want to overreact along the way. Yeah. Um, Cause I think a lot of people tend to panic and they need their leaders to seem calm and reasonable, right. And making, you know, rational choices. Um, so that's when things got, you know, seriously like, we're going to have to make adjustments to how we're responding to this. Um, generally, I don't want to, I don't, I try not to respond to the world other than my customers, right? I don't pay attention to what what competitors do, right? I just try to focus on what makes us a better company. How do I do right by students and schools? Um, In terms of when we started seeing extra interest from our our customers, right about the time we shut down the office, we instructed our salespeople not to be reaching out to schools and school districts, right? We recognized that they needed time to settle into what was happening and to make plans and adjustments. And the last thing they needed was to be inundated with vendor calls, almost like ambulance chasers. And so we held our team back for two to three weeks. Um, but during that time, I wanna say a week into that, our customers started reaching out to us. And our customers that were doing more, you know, I'm not sure, we, are we calling it remote learning or distance learning, right? Um, we should probably combine those terms together some way, but our customers started reaching out because they were using Google Hangouts more and we have a safety solution for Hangouts that, you know, was used just barely. Not very many of our customers used it, but suddenly there was a great demand to enable safety for Google Hangouts. And so that really started it. And then some districts that we've been talking to in the previous year and two years. That had been wanting to move forward with us, you know. Basically, they now had the reason to move forward because the students were, you know, living in an online world and what we call digital playground, and you know, being at home, there really were no fences and recess monitors
1: to protect the students, and so that's why we saw a surge in interest in our products. Right. Maybe can you give us a, a, a brief description of of your products and services, and uh, and talk a little bit about how um, those services are enhanced now with students learning from home?
0: So I hope you'll indulge me and let me tell you a brief story. And, and there's lots I could tell, but I'm going to tell a shorter one. So there's a district we work with in Connecticut. It's like any other district across the country. We've got all sorts of parents and families. One of those families is a single mom who has a high school age son, a senior. And this is in October. And she decided, you know, he's a senior in high school. He's going off to college next year. I'm going to take a well-deserved vacation to Florida. He'll be fine, right, for the week by himself. So she goes down to Florida. When she gets on the plane to come home, her son had timed an email to her just perfectly. And the email went something like this. Mom, I know you don't know how sad I've been and how depressed I've been planning to kill myself all week, but I didn't want you to come home to a decayed body. So the what we do is we sit behind the school's digital tools, Google Apps for Education, Office three sixty five, the Canvas LMS. We're pulling in all the items the students are creating, where they're communicating and collaborating. We run it through technology that flags things that are suspicious, and we have people to review those twenty four hours a day, and our safety rep recognized this is a credible threat, so we called the school district. The school administrator who answered immediately called the police to do a wellness check, but he himself drove over to the student's house to make sure that student did not commit suicide, did not leave a family devastated. So we're looking for bullying, threats of fighting and violence, bringing weapons to school, you know, Oh, I want to say last this school year we'll probably see over seventy-five thousand references to to depression and cutting, and then what we call a live saved. There's been over eight hundred.
1: That's amazing, yeah. Because that is such a huge component of all this is the group trauma that we're that we're all experiencing, but especially students. Um, is that some sort of data that you can you can track as well? I mean. Uh, in terms of so the
0: in yeah the the every year we do a student safety a student safety report on the students that we help protect and you know we did the last year this year we'll put one together in a, in about a month or two um, what we've seen in the initial phases of the quarantine was sort of a decrease it's almost like there was this new trauma there's a new change that people were adjusting to and then over time right the students you know, got acclimated to okay. Now I'm at home, I'm close core with my my family, and, and now the the mental health issues are starting to grow.
1: And where uh, where do you find? I mean, does it does it matter by district or by region? Um, I mean, was it more severe, say on the East Coast back in March, but now is is spreading? Is there, that's something you can track as well?
0: Oh. I haven't looked to track it sort of state by state and sort of correlate that with when lockdowns occurred. Um, I will say our our partner districts up in Washington do seem to be you know more affected. Right, some of the some of the items I'm seeing coming out of that region of the country are a bit more um, a bit more of the issues, and it's it's really about it's really the depression, the loneliness. And really, conflict with with parents and family members being in those quarters. Yeah, Well,
1: will talk a little bit about the, um, the the partnership with Microsoft Teams. So um, you know, you had the Hangouts. I guess it seemed like Hangouts were first, then Zoom, and then Zooms had some uh, had some issues and some some blowback, uh, and then but Microsoft Teams is also considered a, a, a pretty stable platform. What what are the types of tools that you use? with Microsoft Teams?
0: So we've been providing safety for uh, the Office 365 email and OneDrive for many, many years, Um, starting in January in partnership with with Microsoft. I really have to credit the Microsoft team that they really helped push us forward to develop that product and provided great resources. And so we quickly moved to try to develop a safety solution for Microsoft Teams. It came out in early April. I I have been impressed with how much the students have embraced teams in those Office 365 districts. We really didn't know how successful it had been impacting the way students learned. So that was really a great thing to see. You know, the, the issues we see in Google Hangouts and Teams are, are really the same. This is how the kids are chatting, communicating with one another, and they will reveal things that, you know, indicate the traumas going on in their lives.
1: Yeah. Talk about um, age differences. Like I have three beta testers here who are all in their in their teens, um, and who use these technologies, and it's all secondhand. Um, but with younger students, I mean, how, how young do you go to monitor, and are there different techniques to different age levels?
0: So we will will generally recommend about third grade, but we have a number of um districts that are telling us that their teachers are using teams with kindergarten students. right And it, it, a lot of it's a lot of it's because you know they, the teachers need a way to communicate and connect with those students, and we really underestimate the students' capabilities. right I mean, especially late kindergarten, the kids have started to learn to to read and write, right but they what they do know for certain is how to manipulate technology.
1: Yeah. And so with that, I mean, would it take, it wouldn't take much for a student, say, to have a, a back channel beyond kind of the official school communications, especially in, the, in these sort of remote setups, right? I mean, do you see students trying to avoid using the school-based platforms?
0: No, we really don't. I am certainly they use their, their their other tools as well you know, texting and Snapchat, right? Yeah, yeah. Instagram and uh, TikTok are just so popular now, but that doesn't keep them from using their traditional tools, right? Their school provided tools because it's sort of a central repository where all of their friends and the other students are in one place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of what we're seeing is that they've continued to use these other tools. even our districts like Denver Public Schools have been with us for over a decade. The students, you know, they, they know that we're there monitoring in the background, but the same behaviors and activities that, you know, continue to happen on those platforms, students that started with us in kindergarten and are now seniors in high school, you know, they're still, you know, how what's the saying? They, they don't have a fully developed frontal lobe. And so if it occurs to them, they do it immediately, no matter what when
1: they're on. It's just an, like an instinctual sort of thing. And if they're in a state of distress, obviously they're probably not thinking straight. Yeah. Well, now what, the conversations I've been having with a lot of the district leaders is they have gone through this kind of mental transformation from what at first they thought was going to be a glorified snow day, like glorified snow weeks, uh, to something now that you know, we look out to the fall. You know, may turn into something that is. Uh, it could be permanent to uh, for at least a year. Um, has that made any changes to uh, the way that you serve your customers? It it really hasn't. What we've seen is it's
0: increased the value of what we do, right? Because there are the the students aren't on campus. So there's no opportunity for the principal, the teachers, you know, the the other staff to observe the students and to see what's going on in their lives to make sure the students are protected. This becomes the only way to make sure the students are, are being protected and kept safe.
1: Yeah. Now over the years, I ha- when I've been reporting on you know the type of work that you do and other companies, and we always would talk about the kids, right? And we also talk about the teachers and professional development for the teachers or the administrators in your case on how to handle situations and how to best use your tools. I don't remember very many conversations that involved parents. And I would think that especially with uh, the type of services you provide, that must be a major change now or were parents always part of that equation for you?
0: So we feel strongly that... You know, we don't want the incidents that we find. We don't alert the parents because you don't know how a parent is going to react. The parent might be the source of the problem. Right. But I just saw I just saw an incident today where a student was communicating that her mother is basically been drinking excessively. That she poured out her mother's alcohol. Her mother came home with more, and this this fighting that's taking place between the mother and the daughter. The last thing we want to do is report things to parents not knowing what their mental state and how they're going to handle the situation is. So we communicate to the school district emergency contacts who decide the best course of action. Yeah.
1: How about in terms of liability for districts and kind of taking on the ownership of student well-being both on campus and off? Had that had that already uh, taken place before this event or was that something that's that's... We're wrestling with now as well?
0: Well, districts were wrestling with that before, and we would often share with them that they're already subject to the Children's Internet Protection Act, which requires them to keep kids safe on email and other forms of electronic communication. Now, many, many districts chose to ignore that requirement and just provide these tools and Maybe they would say, well, our teachers are, are, are watching this, right? Which of course the teachers really weren't. Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was a challenge we had in the past to overcome that concern. Um, but what we're seeing across the country is the, the school systems have recognized that they are so responsible for the students, right? Even, even their meals, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the school systems are providing not just lunch, but they're, they're finding ways to provide. You know after school meals weekend meals because they know their kids are 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 food insecure and it their parents are oftentimes without a job the the schools really feel an obligation moral and legal to take care of their students
1: now as you look over um, the response to the industry at large, it seems that most have at least for a time, offered their services uh, or their, their content or their curriculum. Um, and these platforms uh, like Google and Microsoft Teams, you know, they immediately became gratis for a certain amount of time. Um, at least I said, I think, to the end of the school year. And now I'm starting to see, oh, well, it's going to be up until the beginning of the school year. Um, how long do you see that sort of largesse occurring and how much longer is it possible for companies to provide their services uh, for free or at a, a steep discount?
0: So Google Apps for Education, Google Classroom, whatever we're calling it this this year, yeah, um, that has always been free as well as Office 365, right? Especially if you have the right sort of staff licenses, right? Even other features of Office 365 are opened up district-wide. Yeah. Um I should explain Kevin, you, you probably already know this. I, I I consider myself the Simon Cowles of EdTech. <laughs> um, I, I I I I'm not gonna basically sugarcoat things I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not gonna build things up and say how wonderful they are when I don't see it that way. Mm. Right. I wanna be honest and I think other entrepreneurs need that real feedback. Um, I believe the rush to offer free services was probably mistaken. Now, we could not do it because we have real hard human costs behind everything that we do, right? right? I have to have it, an army of people reviewing these things 24 hours a day. But I think so many of these small companies that sort of rush to offer their services free, um, I think that they are probably gonna find that is not a prudent decision because you know, they're gonna have to make money to stay in business. Right. And if they don't, if they're not successful, they're not helping the districts either, right? Three services that are free for six, six months and then gone or, or then cost money. And then the company disappears because they didn't manage themselves properly. That does a disservice to students and teachers. So I, I'm really not a fan of, of that model, right? And so I, I, I anticipate some major problems, right? Even gaggle, I, I'm very conscious of what do our renewal rates look like in July and August. And really, not even this July and August, but next July and August, when tax revenues are down, you know, that's when, you know, survival for ed tech companies is, is really going to be on the line.
1: Right, right. How about in terms of, um, do you foresee any kind of unusual partnerships coming out of this or any other sort of um, just different strategies for companies to survive this next Number of months.
0: So, a couple of entrepreneurs that I've been talking to, I, I've been reminding them that, you know, and, and look, and I've 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 lived through two or three crises, right? So, the original dot com boom and bust, yeah. right. The September 11th attacks, right, and how that decimated the business, um, and then the 2008 2009 financial crisis. I've seen this many times. And I, I remind them that surviving is thriving, mm. right? In times like this, just surviving to the next month, the next year will put you in a position to really thrive once things return to normal.
1: So, so we'll go into detail what that means. We just are we talking turtle mm. turtle mode, and just
0: um, I think every organization should take a, a hard look at it's, where they're spending their money and where they, where, where it's ego driven versus necessity driven. And, you know, that might be advertising and marketing, or it might be even a headcount. And, um, you know, as much as you, you as a business leader hate to lay people off, if you don't lay people off at the right times, there won't be jobs for the others. Right. So uh, if you call that turtle mode, that that's fair, right. Or, or learning how to adapt. Right. So if you're a professional development company, you need to learn how to deliver professional development online. And it probably needs to be a lot less expensive.
1: How about in terms of um, innovations and maybe we can um, I really do appreciate your time. But um, to a final question that in my other podcast, I've always try to leave with a little bit of a a silver lining somehow, somewhere or the glass half, half full, whatever cliche you want to use. But have there been. Anything that has come out of this and this this surge of use of your your technology and your experience with the company that you found some unexpected positives, Uh, any new innovations, any new techniques, any new ideas um, on how to improve uh, your product? Hmm. I, I
0: have such a clear vision in my mind for where we're going next. That you know the the COVID crisis hasn't driven that differently because I, it, it's it's always been about you know students communicating, collaborating in a virtual world, right? And now it's even the world is now more virtual. It's almost like the world's caught up with what we've been doing. Yeah, um, I think the positive, you know, because we're now providing greater safety to more students. Each time we're able to intervene, while it's a tragedy that a student's you know, contemplating suicide or cutting or being abused at home, the fact that we can find that student and get them help, that, that is what is, you know, that, that's a, that's something to be proud of every time and to be happy
1: about. And uh, have you had to scale up in terms of monitoring? Oh,
0: tremendously. Uh, That has been one of the other things that's, that's been really surprising, you know, We've always, you know, us adults have always joked that, oh, students don't use email. Well, they always did use email. They just didn't use it as much as we did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, with the lockdowns and the quarantines, our mail volume increased by a factor of five or more. Wow! Right? The amount of mail processing through us and, and what might not have been well, well publicized, we saw issues at Google and at Microsoft where they were having a hard time keeping up with the mail volume. And so that, um, that was a real challenge. I think we had to add really probably an, almost an additional 30 mail That's servers amazing. to keep up with the traffic.
1: That's amazing. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate your time. I think, um, you know, there were some hard questions in there and you had some hard answers, but I think that will be beneficial to our listeners. Uh, and I appreciate you uh, spending the time with me today. Ah, no, it's always a pleasure, Kevin. All right, thanks. And thanks to the listeners for listening to Remote Possibilities. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I hope to see you next time.